Hey, what's up, you guys? This is Bert. I'm the lead pastor at True North Community Church. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. I'm going to have a little something to say to you at the end, but for now, let's dive in. So we are in week two of a message series called Worth the Wait, and we've been talking a little bit, uh, if you were here last week, we talked a little bit about how this time of year our attention shifts and we start a season of anticipation. We're all getting ready for the holidays. We're all getting ready for Christmas. And, 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 and our attention seems to focus on that particular time. And if you can remember what it was like, you know, it's funny how we experience time differently as adults than we did when we were kids, right? Because I can remember, you know, as a kid, and maybe you can relate to this, I can remember as a kid feeling like, oh, this is taking so long. Why is Christmas taking so long to get here? Do you remember, do you remember the days in, in school leading up to Christmas break and how slow it, it all seemed to go, to go how, how much, how, how you'd sit there and stare at the clock and just, you couldn't believe, like, like when you're getting ready for that last day before the Christmas holiday, anybody besides me have like, when you were in grammar school, there'd be like a clock with the act, like on the front, like tick, 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 you know what I'm talking about? You'd be sitting there just watching that thing just tick, and, and, and you could swear sometimes it was moving backwards, you know, like, why is this taking so long? It's going so slowly. Come on. You know, when you're a little kid, you just, you can't wait for Christmas to get here, and it moves so slow, it's just killing you. And then, you know, you get to be an adult, and I'm, I, I, probably like some of you, I'm like, whoa, 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 wasn't it just Halloween? Like, summer's over? What? Like, you know, I, I, you, you, you just, and, and, and every year, Christmas comes, and you're like, man, that was fast. So we experience time differently, you know, depending on our age. But one thing that we kind of all have in common, regardless of our age, is that we hate to wait. Nobody here likes to wait. As we learned last week from the great philosopher Tom Petty, the waiting is the hardest part. <laughs> right? So, um... And it is. Nobody here likes to be made to wait. Nobody, you know, we talked about the waiting room and how sometimes we find ourselves in the waiting room. Uh, physically, you know, waiting for an appointment. Or spiritually, in the waiting room. Waiting on God for something. My own, and I, I was a little confessional with you guys last week. I sort of shared that I struggle with being an impatient person. And I've clocked it. My, my, my threshold for how long I like to wait for something is about ten minutes. That's it, 10 minutes. If, 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 if someone's like, ten, if I have an appointment with somebody and they're like 10 minutes late, it's one thing if they call and let me know, hey, I'm running late, hey, I get it, traffic, like all kinds of things come up. But if someone is running 10, by, by the 10 minute mark, if they're late and they haven't texted me, I'm starting to go, what is going, what, what's the deal? If I have an appointment, if I'm at my doctor's office and I have an appointment for 10 o'clock in the morning and it gets to be 10, 10 or 10, 15, I'm like, hello. Do you know what the word appointment means? We had an appointment. Do you get that? Like, I get, I get a little, like, I start, here's what, here's what starts to happen in me. Tell me if you can relate to this. I start to feel disregarded. I start to feel like, oh, this, this person maybe doesn't care about me, or maybe this person doesn't see me, or maybe this person has forgotten about me. And that's one thing 
when maybe you had your feelings hurt by someone who didn't show up on time, it's another thing entirely when you start to feel like maybe God has disregarded you. It's another thing entirely when you start to feel like maybe God doesn't see me or God doesn't know what I'm going through or maybe God just doesn't care enough or, or maybe I'm just not on his radar or maybe I'm just you know, not important enough for him to pay attention because I've made my requests and I'm, he knows I'm in pain and he knows I'm waiting. I am now waiting for this thing, whatever it might be. I'm waiting for something to resolve. I'm waiting for something to come correct. I'm waiting for something to snap into place. I'm waiting for something to, 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 to come to fruition so that I can move on with my life. And it feels like I can't move on with my life until this thing gets to be in place. And now I'm just waiting on God and it's just taking forever. Can anybody besides me relate to that? Yeah. So here's a verse that kind of messes with me with regard to all this. This is uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. So Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, and he wrote letters that got circulated among the churches. So this is sec Peter's second letter. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse uh, 5. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. <sighs> okay, fine, but not helpful. Right? Oh, come on, can we just, let's be, keep it honest. Great, but not helpful. I can relate to the first half of that. A day is like a thousand years. I've had a few days that felt like they were a thousand years long. Right? Have you? Like when you were a kid and you were waiting for that last Christmas holiday, the tick, tick, tick thing on the clock. That felt like it took a thousand years. Some of you have had a day or a week. Have you had a month that felt like it was a thousand years long? You ever had a year that felt, or a season, or a year that felt like it was a thousand years long? Yeah. Because when you're in pain, time seems to slow down. Right? When you're in pain, time seems to get stuck. And so I can relate to the first part of it. A day is like a thousand years. Okay, yeah, I felt that. But the idea that to the Lord a thousand years is like a day, man, that just doesn't compute. That doesn't work for me. That's just, I, I can't fathom that. I can't get my head around that. That's, so God, what we're getting here is that God experiences time differently than you and I. So a thousand years is like a day. That means Jesus Christ's resurrection was like two days ago. The resurrection was like day before yesterday, team, in God's timeline. So what, what Peter is saying to us is that God is not slow in keeping his promise the way you might think. God, in other words, still sees you. He still regards you. The problem is you, you Bert, have a 10-minute timeline for when you want to see things answered, and God doesn't work on your timeline, and that frustrates me, because shouldn't he? Come on, God. Shouldn't you, after all, work on my timeline? I mean, I said in Jesus' name at the end of my prayer. 
I did all the right things, right? I, I came with the right posture, and I, and I made my requests known to God, and I came boldly, and I did all the things that you're supposed to do, and, and now, no. I had, I had an experience a few years ago at our, our annual baptism service. This was interesting. We do, if you're new to our church, each summer we do a baptism service, and we go to the beach, and, you know, usually it's, you know, 80 or 90 people uh, getting baptized, and usually those people all bring a bunch of people. So we have a big crowd usually. It's a lot of fun. And this one particular summer, uh, we were doing our baptism service, but there was one family in our church that was on vacation. They were, just, they were away during the week of the baptism service. But this husband and wife and their kids, they, they all wanted to be baptized. And that particular summer, they had just put in a swimming pool. And so they came to us kind of on the side and said, listen, we're sorry we can't make the service. We're just, we're out of town. But would you consider coming to our home? We kind of thought it would be cool as we begin our summer, you know, in our new pool, like to, to, bap- to do a baptism. And we're like, yeah, that sounds like a cool idea. And what happened was other people started to hear that there was like a second baptism service, like an extra one. And, you know, this one had a friend and that one had a friend. And pretty soon we had like fifth, another 15 or 20 people that wanted to be baptized, and so it turned into a thing. And so we baptized a lot of people. It was a wonderful day, and this one dude named Armand got baptized. And Armand's mother happened to be visiting from Argentina. And I will never forget this. She's this little, frail Argentinian woman, and she comes up to me after the service, and she takes both my hands, and she looks up at me, and she goes, this is the greatest day of my life. And I'm like, wow, like, it's been the best day of my summer so far, but best day of my life, I, you know, tell me more. And she says, I've been praying for my son to find faith and be baptized for 35 years. 35 years. And my eyes filled. I mean, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just trying for a minute to take that in. I've never prayed for anything for 35 years. After 10 minutes, I give up. That's not true. I pray for things for more than that. But, you know, like my attention span, I have attention span of a fruit fly. I mean, I'm just, I'm, you know, come on, if it hasn't happened, 35 years? So I called Armand over. I'm like, dude, just come here for a second. I'm talking to your mom and my higher powers of deduction have informed me that your mother's first language was not English. And I want to make sure I'm not missing anything in translation. I think she just told me she's been praying for this for 35, and he, he's nodding along like she's, he's, he's telling me I'm here because of her prayers. 35 years. She prays for her son. And you know what I learned? Because 35 years predates our church by like 20 years. I mean, she was praying for a day that would come where her son would be baptized at a church that didn't even exist yet when she started praying for this. And what caught me in that moment was this. Bert, you were there for the payoff, but you missed the process. 
I wasn't in the process with her, but I got to see the payoff. You with me here, team? I wasn't praying for this woman. I didn't even know her for 35 years. I wasn't in the process. I wasn't involved in the process. The process takes a long, long time. The process took 35 years, but I got to be there for the payoff. If you want the payoff, you got to stay in the process. If you want the payoff, if you want to see the payoff, you have to stay in the process. You have to stay in your lane. You need to be steadfast. You need a little faith. You need, a, you need longer than a 10-minute attention span when it comes to feeling disregarded by God. So, yeah, the pastor has some work to do on this one. Here's another verse that people use in moments like this that sometimes gets flipped around. This is back to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us, whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Okay, so let's talk about the first half of this passage. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? That is a verse that has made it onto t-shirts. That's a verse, if there was like a Christian hall of fame of Bible verses, that verse would be in it. People love that verse. I've seen it on t-shirts. I've seen it on bumper stickers. People love to quote that. If God is for us, who can be against us? Do you know why? Because it smells like victory. Smells like victorious Christian living. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, it means we're going to be victorious. If God is for us, it means, it means well, come on, what does it mean? It means we're going to get what we're after. It means we're going to get what we want because God is omnipotent. I mean, he's omnipotent. We have an omnipotent friend. Our omnipotent friend is for us. So that, that brings with it the promise of some galactic hookups. With me? Yeah, there's an uncomfortable silence in the room right now because some of you are recognizing there's some unhealthy thoughts that go along with misinterpreting this passage. And as much as victorious Christian living might ring true in your heart for a minute... When you're 35 years in a process that seems to be taking forever, it's hard to feel victorious. When you feel disregarded, when you think maybe God has lost track of you, when it feels like your request just is not going to be answered ever, this verse gets misinterpreted all the time because people think, well, if God is for me, then he's going to give me what I want. In 10 minutes. And it's just going to all shake itself out because if God is for me, who can be against me? And that's not what the passage says. 
If you just look at it in context, the very next thing is, who can accuse you? This is talking about the forgiveness of sins. This, is a, this passage is talking about our eternal salvation. If God is for you and God is in your corner and he's washed away all your sins, no one gets to accuse you, not even you. That's a whole nother sermon. You don't get to accuse you if God says you're innocent. You don't get to do that anymore. You don't get to call yourself guilty if God says you're innocent. That's what this passage is about. It's not about getting what we want. But, but there's something inside of us that just want, we want what we want. So we flip this around and make the, the passage out to be about victorious Christian living so that we can have what we want and we can get, get it in 10 minutes. And when we don't, we, we, we move into if only world. Right, you guys were here a couple of weeks ago. Did you hear Joe, Joe Arico, delivered a killer sermon? It was his first at bat. It made me angry. He did a really good job. Killer, killer job. He talked about what we're trying to escape from. You remember that? What situation is it that you have empowered to rule your life? When we don't get what we want, when God doesn't deliver the answer to our prayers, and when the, the answers don't come in 10 minutes... We start thinking about, we start thinking if only thoughts. Oh, if only this thing would correct itself. If only I could get this promotion. If only I could be free of this medical condition. If only I could find my one true love. If only, if only I could get pregnant. If only I could get married. If only I could lose weight. If only I could be free financially. If only my parents would forgive me. If only my son or daughter would reconcile to me. I'd fill in the blank. What we do en masse in large groups is we empower <clears throat> We empower a situation that we have no control over to decide whether or not we are okay. Yes? Yeah. You give power to an exterior situation. You have somehow said to yourself along the way, I'm only going to be okay when the medical condition corrects itself. I'm only going to be okay when the court rules in my favor. I'm only going to ever be okay if my son or daughter reconciles to me or if I find the right person or if I'm able to get pregnant or if whatever it might be. You just basically took an ex. You don't have any control over most of that, do you? No, you don't. You don't have control over that. So you took a situation over which you have no control, and you said, here, situation that I have no control over, you take all of my ability to be okay. Here is situation. Here, person that I don't know if you're going to forgive me. Here, like, like medical condition. Here, work condition. Here, whatever it is. You take all the ability for me to breathe. You get to decide whether I breathe. You get to decide whether I'm okay. You get to decide whether I'm going to be able to praise God in the waiting room. You get to decide whether or not I'm going to be all right. And I'm just going to sit here and wait for you to tell me that I'm okay situation. And do you know why that's tragic? Not only because you don't have to do that. Because you could take that power back from that thing and decide you're going to be okay right now. It's also tragic because even if that situation resolves itself, that pattern will continue in your life and there'll always be another thing deciding whether or not you get to be okay. Did you follow that? 
you don't have to live that way. There's a passage in Colossians that leaped off the page to me this week that I want to share with you guys because there's something embedded in it that's really, really profound. This is the, uh, the, the Apostle Paul writing a letter to the church in a city called Colossa. Chapter 1, verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. Focus on those two words for me. The endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. Okay, so the church in Colossa, the city of Colossa, has a letter. And the members of this church are circulating this letter. And there's something going on within the church that Paul does not name. But they're struggling with something. How do you know that they're struggling with something? Because Paul prays that they'll have all the endurance and patience that they need. You follow? You don't have to be a genius to infer this, okay? If, if, if someone's praying for endurance, they have to endure something. So we don't know what it is. Paul doesn't name what it is. Paul doesn't pray for what it is. Anyone else find that weird? There's a situation plaguing this church. The people of this church have to endure something. We don't know what's going on. So it could be a health thing that's happening. It could be a financial thing. They could be under uh, persecution. There could be a, a dozen things that are happening in this church that, that, that we, we just don't know about. But they're struggling with it. And Paul says... Hey, in the midst of this awful situation, I just want to pray that you'll have all the patience and all the endurance that you need. Now, I don't know about you. If I'm from Colossa, I'm reading this letter and going, uh, dude, how about you pray that the thing stops? I mean, if somebody comes up to me after church and asks for prayer and says, hey, I'm sick, or hey, I've got this situation, I pray for the illness or the situation to go away. Paul doesn't do, did you catch this? He doesn't do that. He doesn't address the situation that is plaguing them. He doesn't address what's wrong. He just says, I'm praying that you have the patience and the endurance that you need to get through this. Why? Because there's something in the process. I'm not going to pray for a quick payoff. I'm not going to pray for a 10-minute solution. I'm not going to pray that you jump right around to the end of it and get to just skip off. There's something you're supposed to learn in that process. There's something about being in, in a lane for 35 years praying for something something that is going to enable you to better relate to God and be better equipped to live in this world. You were not promised a God who, who, who favors you with blessings of every kind within a 10-minute window. What we were promised is some difficulty. And so Paul says, I'm praying that you have all the patience and endurance you need. And then he says... And may you wait with joy. Did you catch that? Let me make sure I don't misquote it. Yeah. May you be filled with joy. Uh, you'll have all the patience and endurance you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. 
So yeah, here you are, church of Colossae. Here you are, beloved church members, enduring something difficult. I'm actually not going to pray for the resolution of what you're suffering under. I'm going to pray that you find the patience and endurance to deal with it. And I'm going to pray that you always have joy and that you wait with joy, always thanking thanking the Father... The father who's supposed to be for me, who yet doesn't deliver me from the thing, that father, yep, yeah, that father. Church, here it is. You may have to wait for a while for whatever it is. You may have to wait for the test results. You may have to wait for the medical condition to clear itself up. You may have to wait to be in remission. You may have to wait for the baby. You may have to wait for the day when you're waiting for the baby. You may have to wait for your one true love. You may have to wait for the job thing to to clear itself up. You may have to wait for your parents to forgive you. You may have to wait for your children to reconcile. You may have to wait for whatever it is that's plaguing you, but you don't have to wait another minute to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you and sees you in the waiting room who sees where you are, who gets where you are, who has been where you are, and who waits with you. You have not been forgotten. You've not been disregarded. You're just in process. So if you want to see the payoff, stay in your lane and praise him from that place. You don't have to wait another minute to wait with joy to let joy penetrate the waiting room. You don't have to give that situation the power over whether or not you're miserable. You can decide, I'm going to take that power back now. I'm not going to be miserable. I'm going to wait with joy. I'm going to wait with excitement. I'm going to praise God's holy name even in the pain because that's how we are formed into his image. And that's where true, true joy doesn't come from just having whatever you want. God isn't going to give you whatever you want whenever you want it. No loving parent would. Sometimes we find ourselves in process, and it hurts, and it's long, and it takes way longer than 10 minutes. I want to be a person who learns in that process, who learns to do a better job of praising God from the waiting room. I hope you'll join me in that. We've got another couple weeks on this. We're going to be punching through it. So I hope to see you again next Sunday. With that, let's pray. Father, we love you, and we're grateful for these scriptures and there are times we wish that you would just give us what we want. And, and a 10-minute window would be great. But the truth is, in our hearts, we know that you're not a vending machine. That you're not just here to distribute and dispense what we want in any given moment. That you are, in fact, Lord of heaven and earth. That you see better and know better. And, Father, we pray from our perspective that you'll whisper to us that the process is good for us. That it's actually, it wouldn't be healthy for us to get whatever we want whenever we wanted it. So as we're in process, as we struggle, as we wrestle, as there are situations in our life that keep us up at night, would you, one situation at a time, remind us that that situation isn't God, but that you are. And that we can, right from where we are, wait with joy. May that be true in my life. May it be true in all of our lives. We pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey, thanks once again for taking the time to listen. It's an honor to have you with us. If you'd like to support our church financially and help us continue to put this content out there for free, that would be a really big deal to us. We're completely supported by the contributions of the people that come to our church. And if you'd like to help, you can do that online at truenorthchurch.net slash give, or you can do it with a text message. Just text the word True North to 77977 on your cell phone, and you'll get a prompt leading you through how to do that. Thanks again for dialing in. See you soon. Bye-bye.